All right, joining us now, the radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He's our good friend David Locke with us on the big show. Hi, David. How are you? So, David, we were just talking about you. Uh oh. And uh, we were talking about never a good thing, by well, the way. No, it was a good thing. We were talking oh. about how you do your research and how you're up all night looking stuff up and find getting to uh, you know compiling uh, information and then drawing a conclusion from it. So my question to you is: when you're when you have moments like we talked when the last time we talked with you, you said you got a bike ride in, I think that morning or whatever. When you're in that mode, are you able to forget about these things and think about? Because I know you're a Renaissance man, you think about a lot of things. But can you can you get yourself to get away from what you do professionally? Uh, so today I rode, and I listened to Trevor Noah's "Born a Crime" for the first hour, and then the second hour I kind of worked, and I was hoping to ride for two and a half hours. And at about the one forty mark, I thought of all sorts of great ideas on something, and so I biked back home quickly so that I could start working on that. So, so that. Sort of. Is that kind of a halfway? Yeah, yeah, so my three-hour ride became two hours and ten minutes. <laughs> okay, so I have a selfish question to ask you. Yeah. Um, if you were going to uh, give advice, counsel me and Jake or Austin or our listeners, one book, one book, David, that we have to read, which one would you pull? Oh, is, um, is this for like life skills and to make you a better person, or is this just because of the pure enjoyment of reading it, your, or is your, this for your, the literary your, your choice, literary genius, your choice? Important for us to read. Oh, I mean, this is the most enjoyable book I've ever read in my life. Is Winds of War by Herman Woke. Mm. Um, and then the best part about it is I didn't suggest it, but it has a sequel. So then you'd have two books, but so I give you 2000 pages. Um, who is the guy who survived the Holocaust that wrote that book? Was it Eisel Weisel or something like that? Could be. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. That, like Weisel. the meaning of life, or, mm. the meaning of life or something like that. Mm. Yeah. Like that's kind of, I have to read. And then, um, my random one that Gordon, I would tell you to read, um, is a book called blindness. They made it into a bad movie, but it's like the most incredible book I've read, partially because I think it was translated from Spanish. Um, it's all about um, it's about a city that gets blindness as a contagious disease and then has to deal with it. Um, and one of the, so they start quarantining anyone who gets it. And some, uh, I think it was a wife sneaks in with her husband, even though she's not blind, she pretends to be blind. She wants to be with her husband. So she's able to see everything that's going on. And it's this idea of like, well, what would a little bit of society, what would they, what would people actually do if you, if you couldn't tell? And if there was no, like you, you know, would you be good? Would you be bad? What would you do? Hmm. Pretty fat, pretty deep. Jose, somebody or other, pretty incredible. Actually, really incredible because I was reading it during Katrina, mm. where evidently a lot of what took place in that book unfortunately happened inside the Superdome when there was no power, and we put somehow we put ten. Despite you know when Barbara Bush said their lives might be better inside there than there, and they're you know one of the worst comments anyone's ever made. Um, you know, God rest her soul, but that was a bad moment. Um, so that was kind of interesting because I was reading it then. So I'd say those are my quick three that come to mind. Now that you brought that up, I have a recommendation for you. I want it. It's a movie, and it's a foreign flick. But And I know that turns a lot of people off, but I'm telling you, David, I think you would appreciate it. 
and it, uh, it makes you appreciate freedom and what freedom is really all about. It's a movie called The Lives of Others. Have you ever heard of Ooh, it? Okay. No. Check that out. I'm, I'm not a very good movie person, so this will be good for me. No, I think you would like it, even though it's, okay. it's in German but uh, it, with the subtitles. But it is worth watching. Oh, yeah. Watching. That'd be yeah. great. All right. David, Thank we, you. We, um, we saw you last week, which was fun, by the way, hanging out. Uh, getting yeah, me and you got some... to hang out a little bit. I liked it. Yeah, it was. It, it was great. And I want to ask you about the about the new guys that we got a chance to talk to with uh, with Green and Davis and Moutier. But, but come at it from the angle of fit from a personality standpoint, because we got a chance to interact with them a little bit. And you're, you're certainly very familiar with the inner workings of the jazz locker room. So what do you think about personality, fit, that sort of thing? Are they jazz guys? So it's interesting. I haven't. I, I just aired Ed Davis on Locked On Jazz today, so I actually haven't gone back to listen to yours yet. I was purposely waiting until I had posted mine, so I wasn't impacted in any way. Um, so I will go back and listen to yours this week, and you and I never got a chance to talk about what all the guys were like. Um, I was struck by Ed Davis and Jeff Green of what adults they are. Like, I finished my conversation with them and thought, oh, I could go to dinner with them. I felt that way about a bunch of our guys last year, too. You know, there's certain guys you you don't have enough in common with just from an age standpoint, both these kids guys were parents as well as players. And both, I just thought, I thought they were adults. Um, so the fit in the locker room, I think is really good. I think what's really interesting is that I, I almost have the feeling it's Mike Conley's locker room already. Yeah. Um, and I think that will be, I think that'll be difficult. I think that's going to be really interesting. Now, Mike Conley sounds like he is one of the greatest people ever in this league and I cannot tell you how many people have emailed me or reached out to me and told me that and you know just just kind of unsolicited um and so but I do think that's going to be interesting because this was kind of but it wasn't Donovan and Rudy's locker room last year either so um you know Donovan's the the most high profile player and Rudy might a little bit be the one but golly you get tired of Rudy if you're with him all year because he's demanding you to be great every second of every minute of every day and so to some extent I think it's Quinn's locker room um, and then I just think it was a collection of players uh, you know I think Rubio was a little bit of the soul and Jay had a little element to it and Jay's voice was loud to you know guys heard Jay and they heard Tabo um, I think it's going to be really valuable for Donovan to have a new voice, and that's going to be Conley, who I think he turns to and listens to and asks about life. Um, I think Rudy will still try to, you know, will have his impact, but maybe in a better way. Maybe Rudy can just be that guy that's demanding you to perform at a level of excellence at all time and not have to try, then also turn around and try to lead the locker room. So, But it's pretty clear to me it's Mike Conley's locker room when the veterans are all signing here because Mike Conley signed here. And then if you've read about Bojan, he is Bogdanovich is he is dead quiet. He is very private, very little personality. I don't know. I mean, I know his background. I don't know if this is a fair, like, is that when you grow up in the middle of a civil war with like this incredible, like, I mean, he was in the middle of the Bosnia Herzegovina war and he would get out of it by playing basketball in Europe. Um, like, is that the impact of that? Like, I don't know, but he is very private from everything um, I've read about him and been told about him. And so um, in that regard, I don't think he'll have a big locker room impact. I think he'll just go out and play every day. Um, so it'll, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how this how this all plays out. 
So there's the mental side of it, the social side of it, and the physical side of it. Have you gotten any close, closer to a conclusion as you've thought these things through, David, about how the physical parts are going to fit together? So, I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm a slur. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of the other stuff's just BS. Just make the beeping shot, man. Like, you know, we can have the greatest team chemistry and all the heart in the world and the best guys and donate all the money to five for a fight, but if you can't shoot, it doesn't matter, man. Like, <laughs> like right? Like, those things are really important in real life, and that matters. But, like, if we're talking about for the 48 minutes where they're keeping score, they're not – you're not – you don't get, like, Mike Conley's sportsmanship and – um, community award does not get us ahead for nothing every day. It might mean we play harder every night because we have respect for each other as players. I mean, you watched Jeff Green's Washington Wizards team last year, and at least in my opinion, he didn't seem as negative about it when I talked to him. But I mean, that team just didn't have any connectivity, and so they were all playing for themselves, and they looked terrible. Um, so in that sense, that stuff matters. But like, by the time you get to where it really matters, everyone's like, everyone's connected. Um, I guess the Rockets weren't as much as we thought, but so maybe to my point, like just the route, like you got to make shots. And the physical part of this is we got guys who can make shots. I mean, um, I've been working on a project for the last week and a half, and I keep failing at it, trying to work on how good the Jazz offense can be based on the shot quality they get and the players they have. And I've been really, I thought I had something, and then it kind of fell apart. Um, but you know, if you believe the Jazz got as many good looks they got last year because of Quinn's offense and not just because people weren't guarding Jay Crowder, Ricky Rubio, and Derek Favors. And, you, and, you know, Joe Ingles got an awful lot of really good looks last year, and he, people know who he is. So if you believe that same thing's going to translate to these other guys, there's a really legitimate chance, if you buy that, that the Jazz will be the number one shooting team in the NBA this year. And if that's the case, oh, boy. I mean... You know, my numbers don't love us um, yet for some Emmanuel Moutier's kills the possessions and Dante's, the switch from Corver to Dante hurts us significantly and Donovan's inefficient. So those three things are driving the numbers down. But on some other stuff that I start pulling, we do feel a lot like last year's Milwaukee Bucks. David Locke with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. David, I want to ask you a question Gordon asked me, and I'm curious to your answer, of course. But uh, out of the – and I don't mean this as an insult, but the, the secondary acquisition, so not Bojan or Mike Conley, who is the most important – maybe not who is the best, but who is the most important addition to the team? Wow, that's really interesting. So – I think Jeff Green is the best, and Jeff Green will have the largest impact, and I think Ed Davis or Emmanuel Moutier is probably the most important. How's that for just dancing around the answer completely? So here's my thought. I think Jeff Green will play the most prominent role, and I think Jeff Green will have the biggest impact. Um, but I think if Jeff Green doesn't have that big an impact, that George Niang can do it or Royce O'Neal can slide into that position. Or the J- and I don't think the Jazz will close with Jeff Green. So I just think they – now, if Ed Davis somehow – like Ed Davis really needs to make sure that Rudy plays well so that Rudy Gobert can get 14 minutes off a night or maybe 16 minutes off a night. And that's something Ed Davis is totally capable of doing. And there's no doubt he can do that in any way. That's exactly who he is. And in my interview with him, 
he just was such an such incredible guy talking about how he DNP to Memphis and it changed his career and and how content like I said, like well how can you be so content with sixteen minutes a night? And just that's not most players are content with it. His answers were so great. Then you get to Emmanuel Moutier and what happens if Emmanuel Moutier is bad? Which is like not a crazy thought, right? Like, we're, we're like Emmanuel Moutier was good in a bad was good last year for a really bad New York team. He was really, really bad for a Denver team, which was bad, and he had no chance to be good at. So I don't even have any idea what to think of what he's going to do this year. But w- what happens if he's bad? Then who has to play? It's a heck of a question, right. Dante. I guess. Right. So the- Right, and so then Dante's your backup point guard. Are we all right with that? <laughs> Is he healthy? <laughs> oh, I mean, Dante and Emmanuel Moody are like stunningly similar at this point in their career. Stunningly similar. Like, Dante's career three-point shooting is like 29, and Moutier's is 30. Their field goal percentages are the same. I think Dante's played 206 games. Moutier's played 246. Like, they're... They're stunningly similar. One of them's body is holding up. The other isn't. Dante's good defensively. Manuel has not been good defensively. Neither of them, both of them, they're, it's fascinating. Both of them played no basketball before they got to the NBA. <clears throat> so Moutier, junior and senior year, he can't play high school ball because he's at the, the Eon Sanders Prime Academy and they get ruled elite that they're not you know, they recruited illegally, and so they can't play. So he can't play, and then he goes and gets offered one point two million dollars for a seriously impoverished family, and stunningly says, "Yeah, I'll take that," and goes to China and plays twelve games on a sprained ankle. Dante's playing Australian high school basketball, which might be the same game Tony Jones is playing with at Excel Fitness, probably not as good. And then his agent, Rob Polinka, now Lakers general manager, it's done a hell of a job, and. He decides to not let Dante play because there's all this hype about Dante. And if you actually dig into Dante's like international career, the one time he played the U.S., he sprained his ankle like eight minutes in. Marcus Smart kicked the crap out of him. And he didn't come back in a game because they were down by 20. So why would he play? And most of his international games aren't against very or None of them are against an NBA player or very good players. And so, like, these two guys both got just then Denver for no particular reason. Good reason starts Emmanuel Moutier 20, 68 games that year and makes him play 30 minutes, and he's terrible. No surprise. He hasn't played in three years. And we put Dante out there because Trey Burke's so bad that Dante starts the second half of the season, but kind of with the rule of, like, do not just do nothing. And then when he starts to get better, he tears his ACL. So he's been crippled by injuries. Moutier's just been crippled by lack of opportunity in playing. I mean, they're stunningly similar. Maybe they're both going to click in. Maybe neither of them are good. I don't have any idea. Final question, David, for me is there was uh, quite a, I don't know, a lot of people noticed that uh, video that went viral yesterday of Rudy Gobert shooting three-pointers, uh, and he hit a bunch of them. Now, this is, uh, this is not a question about him shooting three-pointers because I don't think that's going to happen. But is, could he develop, with his technique, his stroke, could he develop – a 10-foot shot, a 12-foot shot, uh, a useful shot oh, a little bit away from the basket? Well, I'd rather him shoot a three. Just because it's so, more? Yeah, I mean, just the, what, what do you think the max possibility of him making a 10-foot shot is? 40%? Probably about right. 
Right. I mean, that's like there aren't many guys in the league that are actually better than 40 on that. So the 15 foot jumper at the free throw line, rather have him just play out like Brook Lopez and shoot the three. Since Brook Lopez de- developed a three, you know, if you work at it enough, I think you can probably get it. He's turned himself into a half decent um, free throw shooter, about 70%. I don't want him taking as many as Brook Lopez, but on the other end, you know, if you're playing the Milwaukee Bucks and the NBA Finals and they're putting Brooke Lopez down at the base of the rim on every single possession and forcing you to drive right into him and Rudy Gobert could shoot a three, then that would be nice because when we play the Bucks in the NBA Finals this year and Adam Silver dies when it's a Utah-Milwaukee Finals and they have Brooke Lopez down at the very bu- – you know, we they pull Brooke Lopez out from three, it's going to be really hard on Rudy. So, um I don't know. I mean, I've seen Rudy shoot threes a lot, so this video did not have any impact on me. He does it after every practice. Um, and so he's worked on it. And it's all right. I mean, I think I think it's a reasonable possibility for him to take one or two a game. And, and let me say this. If he'd like to win his third straight defensive player of the year award, he can do whatever he wants. Jake and I have a have a contest going on. Who will be the first one to – was it attempt or make? Make. First one to make a three-point shot – in a live game, Rudy Gobert or Ben Simmons? <laughs> I took Rudy. Well, you, didn't say, you took um, – there was a viral video of Ben Simmons too, right? Or was that um, – then there was the Giannis video. Gosh, what well, we could do at editing videos. Well, there's also viral videos of Ben Simmons clanking about five in a row, so it depends <laughs> on which one you're talking about. Well, I'll tell you what um, – from the things I've heard, the fact there's actually video of Ben Simmons shooting shots is a step up from last year. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Hmm. Well, David, it's always a pleasure, and especially when you come on and give me something uh, to add to my nookbook, The Winds of War. I will be uh, downloading it shortly. Oh, that is my that is my all-time favorite. All right. Very nice. Well, we always appreciate you jumping on with us, man. Thank you very much. See ya. David Locke. Radio voice of the Utah Jazz. Coming on, giving us literary advice, breaking down the fit with the new players. He kind of agreed with me that Jeff Green is the most important addition. (laughs) I think that's a good selection. You know, other than the main guys. All right, uh, David joined us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Of course, customers can get the fantastic iPhone X for 50% off with FlexLease. Visit the local Sprint store near you. We'll have more coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.